This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, August 6th of 2018, it's episode 137. In this episode, Zach Lorton of Backburner Games joins us to talk about using music at the gaming table. Plus, our second choice of life philosophies, catching up a bit, Grant's long-awaited gaming cabaret story, the fair use doctrine in full effect, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. I'm Jenny. And my name is Zach. And we have Zach Lorton with us. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Use is honorific. It's DJ Zach Lorton. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Much like Coach and <laughs> Sensei, you always have to preface a DJ with DJ yeah, Zach Lorton. You really, well-known fact. You really don't. But, uh, you know, I am, <laughs> as those who know me from the Fear of the Boot community, I am DJ Zach Lorton on the forums. And I believe anytime you might run into me on online, I use that because I can't come up with a more creative online handle. Um <laughs> but yeah, I am a DJ, but I started out as a musician at a young age, a musician and a singer. And uh, why that is important will be coming into the topic that we're going to be talking about later on today. But but yeah, as far as DJ stuff, I've been working as a DJ doing events, uh, mostly weddings and, and things like that since 1995. So wow. before many of your listeners were born. I, I was born in 93 and I am one of the youngest listeners. <laughs> Most oh, of the, really? Okay. All yeah. Right. I think our demographic is closer to 30. Am I right? Well, then we need to get some younger listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, granted, you started doing the, the music thing when I was, I believe, a junior or sophomore in high school, depending on which part of the okay. year it was. But gotcha. But anyway, you've been doing a long time. It's been going on for quite a while, and I've seen and heard pretty much everything at this point. Well, there we go. Zach, thanks for coming on. We really do appreciate it. No problem. It, yeah, and thank you for rescheduling with us on uh, zero notice. I apologize for that. We really appreciate your patience there as well. You have something else that you'd like to plug, I believe. Yes, I just jumped into the pool of um, create for pay not too long ago, and since 2015, I have been creating role playing game content, um, which is not something that I ever planned on doing and uh but it, but it's been giving me a great outlet for my creativity and the unfortunate thing is that i'm able to create much more often than i'm able to play because of the fact that i work two full uh, two jobs one full-time and, and one part-time being in the dj thing but i started a patreon a couple months ago called backburner games you can find it online at patreon.com slash backburner games uh it is a company we are devoted to creating things that help you bring more people to the table. So at the lowest level, you'll get one free recipe, <laughs> not a free recipe. You pay for it, but you're going to get a recipe uh, every single month. Something that is fresh that, uh, you know, my, either my wife or I have come up with ourselves. So this is made from scratch type stuff. Something that you can uh, that would be great for you to serve to guests and, and other people that come to dinner, because what's one of the things that most people do whenever they get together to role play for four or five, six hours or more? They've got food with them. So we figured that would be a good way to do it. And then at the higher levels, you get RPG content, something new every single month. And it might be. Um, you know, it, it might be a chart, a random generator chart. It might be a full fledged 
RPG. Uh, like the, the last one I just sent out for the month of July was the very first full-fledged RPG that I ever wrote. I figured I'm not going to sell this thing. Let me go ahead and give it away to my to my patrons. And uh, so it could be that. It could be playsets for a fiasco. It could be you know full-fledged systems that I'm working on. And there are other uh, rewards available at higher levels. And uh, so far, I've actually gotten probably about a half a dozen backers as of this recording uh, or more if I don't if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, every single one of them, save for one, has said, let's go ahead and do the, the gaming content. I want to get information like that. So it's really been a great encouragement to see people jumping on to the idea that there are people out there that really want to find ways to bring more people to the table. I enjoy doing this. And most of the stuff I write is geared more towards one shots, independent games, stuff like that. That's awesome. And, and just to be clear, yeah. the recipes are things that are kind of designed to serve at the gaming table, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're recipes for, you know, you and your family if you want. But this is the type of thing that you could serve at the gaming table. It's probably not going to cause a huge mess mm. or anything else like that. It's something that is going to be uh, pleasing and filling. And it's going to be something that pretty much everybody can enjoy. The only caveats would be if anybody's got any, you know, allergies. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, my wife's vegetable, I call it her world changing vegetable soup. <laughs> that was what I sent out. And it doesn't sound all that appealing, but it is the soup that made me actually enjoy vegetable soup. I hated vegetable soup since I was a kid. It's It, it was terrible. It was kind of like, let's put some salt and some water and some vegetables and call it soup. And that's what it tasted like to me. And then my, my, my wife made one one day. And I said, how did you make this? She goes, I don't know. I just dumped a bunch of things. I'm like, recall what you did and write it down. <laughs> Please. We have to if have you, this again. If you ever want me to eat your vegetable soup again, you need to make it like this. And every, every person that's tried it, that we've, we've shared it with, that has tried it since then, have, have raved, hmm. gone on and on and on about how great they thought it was. And I thought, you know, we've got something special here. And my wife was actually the one who thought, you know, what you could do with the, with the Patreon is offer recipes every month. And I'm like, crap, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is a good idea. It's mm-hmm. really cool. And I'm excited. Backburner to, Games to, was born. Yeah. I'm excited to see you guys grow. That's going to be, I think, really special. And, I can't wait till you kind of run out of the basics and start doing like, hey, here's a, a D&D tavern meal and things like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's <laughs> uh, OK. I'm making notes and I'm planning for the future. right now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's one of those things where a lot of the time vegetables can be really boring until they're not. My family has a ratatouille recipe that they make every year at Christmas and Thanksgiving that I just I always covet the leftovers of. So. It takes mm, some sure. skill, but you can make reci- or uh, you know vegetables awesome. Oh yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chrissy's been doing uh, some really amazing things with veggies lately because we've been trying to eat better, and she's a very good cook herself. So we've done some some pretty nice stuff. It's been fun. Okay, we have a little bit of news and notes. Not much, but I just want to kind of fill people in. Uh, as you may have heard, Zach had to uh, reschedule with us. Uh, the first time we tried to record this, we've all had some various health issues here and there. And as it, we have built up a bit of a backlog, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a break recording, not releasing episodes. We've got enough of a backlog that we can fill in and kind of catch up with our backlog. But for those of you who kind of hear us talk about things and go, didn't that happen a month ago, month and a half ago? Why are they just getting around to it now? It's because we have this big backlog. We're going to take advantage of it, kind of burn through it and catch up to closer to real time, which is a little more fun anyway, right? We like yeah. being able to actually talk about things that are, yeah, are semi-current. Yeah. yeah. True. 
And I, I got to this is just my personal beef. Anytime I am listening to a podcast and they're like, so this Thursday we're going to be I'm like, nope, nope, mm. nope. It is not this Thursday because I'm listening to this three months after you recorded it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's to me, that's the, the cool thing about podcasts is that you don't have to be tied to your radio mm-hmm. to listen to it. You can listen to it at any particular point. And that's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed podcasts like Saving the Game, like Game Store Profits, like Fear the Boot and other things like that, because it does allow me to kind of catch up with the community at my own pace. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. There's something to be said for uh, having something that engages people who listen regularly and immediately. But you do mm-hmm. have to keep in mind, people are going to be listening to this a year later, two years later, five years later. You can't just be in the now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasts, by definition, are kind of for posterity. Yeah, mm-hmm. they really are. <laughs> At any rate, we are not going to be changing the rate at which we release episodes, so don't worry about that. Just want to kind of give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes peek. And the other thing is, uh, just so you know, after this episode, we've got a very theological episode planned. We're doing another Ten Commandments episode, so look forward to that. That'll be fun. Yep. All right. Speaking of Patreon, we have our own Patreon, and our Patreon backers ask us questions, so I'm going to go ahead and roll on our big old table of questions and see what kind of question we come up with to answer amongst ourselves and Zach. Let's go. Ooh, okay. This is one that I know has been on the list for a very long time. Uh, And this is from Douglas Underhill. If you were not Christian, what would be your second choice for religion or life philosophy? Just pretend Christianity is off the table or you were born in a part of the world where there weren't any Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, Buddhism for me. Uh, Sikhism. Hmm. You know, I think Buddhism as well, for me, um, closer to a, a Zen approach, mm-hmm. I would say. This is a hard question for me to answer because I can't answer it. The belief, to me, is one of the things that is one of my greatest strengths. It's one of the things I'm hardwired with. Nothing else out there, honestly, really made sense to me. This is odd because I actually made a decision to follow Jesus when I was five and, and it wasn't like one of those things where my parents were like, well, you should do this. And no, I, I got the information and found out on my own. So since then, I've been on this journey of trying to find out as much as I can about what it means to, to be a Christ follower, what it means to, to live out your faith. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at other religions just to see what they were made up of. And while some of them sound decent, I've found none of them that are overwhelmingly life-changing as Christianity. And I tend to agree. You know, I I think I've said on the podcast before, I I grew up in the church, but sort of really accepted Christ, I would say, in high school reading C.S. Lewis. And, you know, I've not had that reaction to anything else, obviously. Um, But, you know, given the question, I'm just sort of answering in terms of like, which has the most appeal? What parts do I find, you know, the most interesting? That sort of thing is kind of how I'm approaching this one. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it, too. Yeah, it's it's similar for me. It also, for me, ties into a thing that one of my Catholic friends said to me, where there is a huge amount of crossover between the morality of Buddhism and the morality of Christianity. At At their very, very core, it's about... The, the the very same core beliefs of of love and and peace and and that kind of thing so sure. for for me it's love and peace and faith all have to be in you know that that lovely mishmash of a priority ball Does that right, make sense? Right. so so like they, yeah. they all have to interweave with one another and i think buddhism does that pretty pretty well 
pretty well. And the reason I said Sikhism is I think in a lot of ways um, it would probably be a more comfortable religion for me. I just don't think it's the right one. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's very pro-civilization. It's a bit more comfortable with armed conflict than a lot of Christianity is. There's this emphasis on just kind of living a normal life in it, and it's less it's less demanding in a lot of ways that are, that Christianity is difficult in. But like I said, I I, I don't think it's true. So that kind of cuts it yeah. off there. You know, yeah. it's uh, and we're not in this religion because it's easy. <laughs> No, yeah. no, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, there's that, that wonderful Chesterton quote, you know, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. <laughs> if, if I had to, gun to my head, had to choose one, had to absolutely choose one, I don't think it would be a religion so much as a philosophy, mm. and that would be hedonism. And mm. That's one of the reasons why I say I can't choose another one. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's because, entirely fair. Yeah. yeah. Because I know me. I know me. It's so, yeah. No, it's, it's quite honestly, I, given the things that I've had to deal with in my life, that would be the one thing that would appeal to me more than anything else. And it's a very selfish, a very selfish philosophy. Mm. So it wouldn't be good for me if I if I subscribe to that, if Christianity weren't on the table at all or or if it wasn't available anywhere, which is a great part of the question, by the way, then I would go I would honestly lean towards hedonism. And that would that would make me a very, very unlikable person. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to note that this question came from a pastor. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Riv. They, they ask us good <laughs> questions. That's why. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, they're like, let's just challenge you with this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of Pastor Douglas Underhill, thank you very much. We appreciate the question. And if you want to ask your own questions that get interesting and complex responses, just support us on Patreon. As little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash saving the game. We appreciate it. Let's go ahead and get into our scripture. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 17 to 23. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Psalm 96, verses 1 and 2. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. This is Proverbs 25.20. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. And the scripture from 1 Corinthians 14, verses 15 to 19. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you were saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church... 
I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Fantastic. So our topic tonight is music, music at the gaming table, uh, a topic I have been wanting to do for quite some time, but which uh, we're just now finally getting around <laughs> to now that we have a professional musician of any capacity to actually <laughs> speak knowledgeably who about in the outline. But yeah, <laughs> is, is, is this the bar? Is this the bar I'm clearing? Any capacity, ladies and gentlemen, hey. any capacity. <laughs> My preferred instrument is the CD player, so <laughs> that kind of establishes our baseline musical competence. Yeah, um, and no, oddly, speak for yourself, oddly enough, buddy. very. <laughs> I'm a musician. Okay, my baseline this, musical this soda competence. can that I just drank out of this soda can has more musical talent than I will ever have. Okay, I've done choirs many times, and I know how to play multiple musical instruments, but I'm not pro. Well, uh, uh, Zach and Jenny, you take the way, and Grant and I will learn <laughs> No, here's the thing, here's the thing. This actually makes me incredibly unqualified to do this because of my the way my brain processes audio. I have some pretty nasty audio processing issues that make me great <laughs> at playing an instrument in a band, but wow, mm. d I cannot think about music at the table, so I'm here to learn. Sounds but just, good. just, just don't, don't speak for me when you say, "Oh, I can play the CD player real well. That's my skill." Nope, nope. Yeah. You've heard, That's you've fair. heard the old. You may. There's an old joke that goes around because I grew up playing wind, wind instruments. What's what's the average range of an oboe? I mean, depends on your arm, how far you can throw it. You know? Exactly, exactly, exactly. There you go. There you go. So twenty slash forty feet. <laughs> Range weapon, 1d6 damage, got it. <laughs> and now we have 5e e stats for a thrown oboe. You're welcome, listeners. Well, an oboe. I do play a bard. Like you're going to do anything else with it. I played the clarinet in middle school. I, I can say this. Yeah, that probably only sure. does a d4. Good point. Are you uh, sure or, about that? Oh, no, oh, clarinet's pretty heavy. Yeah. Anyway. And if you ever got mad, if you could, like, mock break it over your knee because they come apart. Exactly. Yeah, it looks very <laughs> dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but really, we're talking about music at the gaming table, and not oh that yeah, oh, not in right. game. Just to be clear, <laughs> uh, we are talking about at the table, not within the fiction that we are creating. And we're going to talk about foreground music, background music, and to a certain degree, sound effects. I want to start with background music um, because this is something that uh, Zach, you do a fair bit, apparently. Yes. Yes. When we're using background music, what are we trying to accomplish at the table? What's the point? Mood. First and foremost, it's mood. Okay. Uh, the back, background music, anytime as a DJ, anytime I'm working an event, if there's cocktail hour going on, if there's dinner going on, there's music going on in the background. And it doesn't really matter. You know, you go to most wedding receptions and you automatically think the background music is going to be slow or it's going to be, God forbid, Kenny G or something schmaltzy or something like that in the background. And the reason people think that is because more energetic music usually tends to require more attention or spur more excitement. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, as long as you've got the music at a low enough level, then the music itself could be slow. It could be fast. It could be medium tempo. doesn't matter. But the point of it is, is that it's background. It's creating a mood. Different styles of music, different genres of music are going to create different types of moods. And when you're at the gaming table, whether you're playing a tabletop role-playing game or a board game, music in the background is to set a scene. It's to create a mood. 
It's to build tension. It's to promote a sense of relaxation in what's going on. Background music is a tool that has a lot of different uses, but primarily it's moods and setting the emotion. I might add to that, that when we're talking about music in, you know, a a setting where people are having conversations and you're trying to maintain a mood, that certainly makes a lot of sense. When you're using music to enhance a story, you want that music to apply to the dramatic beats of the story. Exactly. You're going to have different moods at different times, helping to increase and decrease tension appropriately. Right. It sounds bad, but you're manipulating player emotion, not in a timing. Yeah, not in a bad way, but the 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 timing of when you use music is just as important as what music you use mm-hmm. and, you know, what volume you tend to play it at. I did some research when we were putting together this episode and I was looking for scriptures specifically that talked about music. And oddly enough, the one overarching theme that I saw when the Bible talked about music almost always was talking about singing and specifically singing praise. It didn't talk nearly as much about playing skillfully, which it does speak about that, but it didn't talk about that nearly as much as all the instances when music is is played. It's almost, almost always in deference to giving praise to God, which I thought was amazing. You know, we use music for our own pleasure and we use music to put ourselves in a particular mood. And like you said, Grant, it's it's mood manipulation. But as with the scripture in 1 Samuel, when David played in Saul's presence, it changed his spirit. When Paul was speaking in First Corinthians to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians, he said, let whatever sounds you speak, let the sound come with understanding. Let it be specific. Let it have a purpose. And the one thing I really liked was that scripture in Proverbs. It says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or vinegar poured onto a wound. These are not nice things. Is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. You got to know when not to use music as well as knowing when to use music. Mm -hmm. That's true. So let's get started with uh, the when and where and why and how. Right. The first of these, I, you know, even before the game starts, I think there is some value in doing music at the gaming table when you're doing game preparation or creating a game, maybe during character creation, maybe while you are making notes for your campaign, doing research, that sort of thing. Yeah. I also know that I, when, when I need to get into character specifically for Peter's game, I've been doing this. There's a playlist that I've made up to get me in that character's mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's useful on the player's side too. Uh, for before the game. Yeah, I actually have a particular musical artist that I use to kind of get into the mindset for uh, Hala, my character in Peter's game as well. It's it's a particular artist who physically is also... Is that the one that you shared the uh, video with me of? Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. That seems so fitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But it's like, okay, this is this was exactly right. And I was listening to it anyway. It's like, wait a minute, this is exactly the character and probably helped shape the character because I was kind of listening to it while I was doing game prep. But at that point, it's like, well, why don't I just share this with the rest of the group so they can have that musical sense of like, okay, I've got a theme song in my head for this character. And it works fine. But if you're doing, say, a Victorian era game, maybe listening to appropriate music while you are writing your GM notes is a good idea. Uh, If you're doing a game based on Irish mythology, maybe listening to classic, you know, Irish ballads or traditional Celtic music is a good way to go. 
that sort of thing to just sort of get get into that mindset just a little bit. If your entire setting started with heavy metal, maybe it's a good idea to listen to it while you're prepping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Not, not speaking from experience here or anything. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Speaking as a man who grew up on metal and punk, yes, uh, the 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 music that you play while you're preparing something will make an impact on what you think about, on the tone of the things that you write, and the ideas that come into your story. Big, big, big way. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story about this. My wife and I were cleaning in our apartment a couple years ago. And this was not too long after Striper. Remember them? Oh, yes. Boys and girls. Striper had released. Um, for those of you who are younger, that's music that mommies and daddies listen to. Striper released an album uh, called No More Hell to Pay. And it was kind of a return to form for them. The vast majority of the songs on that record are in a minor key. Now, you wouldn't think that would make a huge difference, but my I love music. My wife loves music. We both were raised on the same kind of music, and hard rock and heavy metal was kind of a centerpiece of that. So we turned that album on, and probably about seven or eight songs into it, we found that we were both getting pretty irritable with each other. And it was mo- mostly because the music was all in minor key. It, even though it was spiritually edifying, the lyrics were spiritually edifying. Michael Sweet has this habit of not necessarily over enunciating mm. when he sings. So you couldn't really understand everything that he was singing. So the lyrics did not have a positive effect at all <laughs> on the mood in the apartment. It was all the sound of the music and it was all what was going on. And after a while, I was just like, I need to turn this off because we were really starting to get on each other's nerves mm. and it wasn't because of anything else that we were doing. It was just the mood that the music was causing yeah. in the apartment. Of course, we were also cleaning, which we both don't really like to do. <laughs> not very many people really enjoy cleaning their residence. No. That's not, I mean, even if you had something really upbeat like Skillet going or something like that, it would have just been like, I'm still dusting. <laughs> it was an odd feeling. It was a really odd feeling to, to come to that realization. Wow. Okay. So. Yeah. You can certainly make, as Jenny did, make a playlist for a particular game and just have it in your head. Um, in fact, We've I remember doing that with the characters in my game, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fiasco, by the way, is a great game to create playlists for. It would be, yeah. Because, like, it's split yeah, up into the distinct very beats. first. It, yeah, exactly. But there are some times that you could create, like, a playlist, just like a list of songs. Bang, 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 bang. And they might actually reflect what's going on in the narrative of the story as it's being played out. I created a, uh, a playlist that was high school reunion, 20-year high school reunion for Fiasco. It was the first Fiasco playlist I ever created and I decided to go ahead and, and make a playlist for it. And so it's all this music that would have been popular around the early nineties. Cause I was my 20th year high school reunion was that year. And I chose not to go to it. Instead <laughs> I wrote the playset. <laughs> and so there's this scene playing out at the table. The first time I played this with people, there's this scene playing out at the table. And you know, this one character, she has an unrequited love for another character. And suddenly in the background, you hear, you hear, I all for ones, I swear, coming over the speakers. And we just kind of had to stop. And we looked at the music player and we're just like, okay, we're going with this. We're going to ride this wave out. All right. <laughs> there is another game that I found out about not too long ago. I forget the uh, the publishing company, but it's called Ribbon Drive. I actually found out about it through another podcast called Bored Ghost. 
But Ribbon Drive, <laughs> Ribbon Drive is a free form storytelling game that the chief mechanic is made up of music playlists that every player brings to the table. Hmm. Huh. And the, the only time, literally the only time you roll dice in the game is to determine which playlist is going to be played first. Wow. Uh, the mechanics are really cool. The very first song, everybody listens to the first song in silence and any of the lyrics in the song basically help you all determine what the gist of the story is going to be about. It's, it's basically about going on a road trip. Hmm. Huh. You're going to a destination or you're coming from a destination or something. And then the second song is where people choose in the lyrics of that particular song. That's where the players choose their characters, their motivations, their futures, everything else like that from the lyrics of the second song. Gotcha. So the rules of it are pretty simple. Everybody has to come to the table with a playlist, 30 to 45 minutes or however long you think the session is going to last shorter for a shorter game, etc. And it has to have each playlist has to have a theme. They could be wildly different themes, but pretty much all the songs have to adhere to a specific theme one way or the other. And style-wise, you can do whatever whatever in the world you want to. But I thought this was a really creative innovative idea that actually uses playlists, something that sometimes we end up taking for granted, but everybody's got one. If you've got a Spotify account, everybody's got a playlist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, put one to use. Play a role-playing game with it. It's called, again, it's called Rib Ribbon Drive. It's a really, really cool game. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. I do want to get a little bit into how you handle music at the table yourself, though. Because here's the thing. I am entirely in favor of music for, like, game prep and character creation and all of that, right? I am sure. really skeptical of background music in a role-playing game session. Right. Yeah. I've, I personally have only ever seen it done badly. <laughs> yeah. And I only hear stories of it being done badly. Um, but I've had it, it done sounds... well a couple of times, actually. Okay. Well, and, and that's good. But like, you know, on a personal level, I'm skeptical. Uh, but it sounds like right. you do this pretty regularly. Am I right? Regularly enough. Okay. Um, not every single game requires this. Uh, you know, you could easily play a game of 10 candles oh. and have some kind of eerie music going on in the background the entire time. And you wouldn't necessarily need to have a playlist. You could just have instrumental background music. Right. But I think I personally think 10 candles, the mechanic of it is enough. You don't need to add music to it. No, I yeah. think it's creepy enough that you're in a room lit just by tea light candles that are eventually going to go out as you play the game. Not to say you couldn't do it. Yeah. Dread would seem to be the same way, wouldn't it? Right. Grant, you played in one of the very first games that I ran where I used music as a supplement to the game um, at Fear of the Con. Goodness, did I? Uh, you, Yeah, you played in a game I, I wrote called We Sell the World, where all the PCs were advertising mascots. I remember that very well because I, I played an yeah. excellent Colonel Sanders. But, <laughs> you were a fantastic you know, Sanders. I don't remember the music. That's the thing. Well, and that's fine. And the music doesn't have to be memorable, but, but that's a good point. If you're just starting if you're just starting out doing this, what I would recommend is when you're creating try it with a one shot. Don't necessarily try it as part of a campaign. Try it with a one shot. And when you're putting together your story beats, try to come up with one piece of music for a specific action beat to give you just a, a bit of an idea in that particular game. There was a fight that took place at a mall, and we had the General Foods International Coffee's Army singing the theme song from from the commercials as part of the whole thing. But then there was also a there was also a car chase. Mm -hmm. 
I do remember so the car when chase. The car chase, right. When the car chase came on, I was just kind of like, okay, well, we're going to do this. Let's see if we can find something that's going to be a little exciting. And that will give a little bit of audio tension for just a couple minutes. Blam, blast it out for a couple seconds and then turn it down so that it's in the background. And then there are other songs that you can use that are mostly instrumental that can you can use primarily for the background. Uh, an electronic artist called Underworld is perfect for this because nearly all of their songs are seven, eight, nine, ten minutes long or something like that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you chain three or four of those together and you're even through a D&D fight. Exactly. And in many cases, what I did with that particular game was I had I had music selected for certain sections. But after a moment, we kind of got the idea of what this scene was going to be about the feeling of the scene i went ahead and pulled the music out just completely uh-huh. so if you, when you're starting to do this for the first time choose a couple of different pieces that you think will go well along with the action beats don't have music to be in the background the entire time just for the sake of having music the entire time it's going to grate on people's nerves mm-hmm. yeah i i agree that was actually something i was going to ask about was you know music in music out how and when uh-huh. What you describe, you know, start it kind of loud to set it and then fade it down to where you can talk over exactly. it. It's very important. One thing I have seen when people try and set mood music is the music is far too loud. You can't talk over it or, you know, you're shouting over it and it just gets frustrating and you lose details. You want it to be really a lot quieter than you think. Mm-hmm. Right. You you really do. Um, and part of what goes into making that happen is how... You play the music. Now, you can't tell because of the recording, but I have my laptop that I typically take with me as a secondary music player whenever I'm doing a a gig as a DJ. I've got it hooked into a small Bluetooth speaker. So it's not the best quality in the world, but it still sounds better than the speakers coming out of my computer. Uh So if ever I'm going someplace and I'm going to be providing music as part of the gaming experience, I'm going to be doing something like this. You want to make it sound good. You want it to sound quality. Horrible quality music. (laughs) (laughs) makes for a really bad experience yeah. um, i know some people that love to play music whenever they're doing something if they don't have a bluetooth speaker they'll just play it off of the speaker on their phone and that is extraordinarily irritating mm-hmm. it is yeah. irritating to me to listen to podcasts on that and that's just somebody talking it doesn't theoretically have to be high quality but it can get right, tinny right. it can get buzzy doesn't yeah. sound great. exactly i i personally because of uh previously mentioned audio processing issues if there's any sort of stereo happening i can't listen to it because it physically hurts to have Mm -hmm. one thing playing in one ear and one thing playing in another ear or even just one thing playing in one side of the room and one thing playing at the other side of the room so so that sort of at least plays into audio quality things for me (laughs) Yeah, there is a beautiful, beautiful episode of the IT crowd. Um, I believe it's in the fourth season where Moss is running a game of Mm D&D for some people that Mr. Renelm has trying to entertain. And he there's a couple of moments in it and it's it's played up for laughs because it's a sitcom. But um, that's a perfect example of how to use music correctly. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I would look at that one and say, okay. For this particular moment, you're going to want this particular type of music because it's a very heartfelt moment. Sure. Mm -hmm. And another moment, it's, you know, as they say in the episode, ruddy mysterious. Right. Let me ask you this. Do you pre-balance your audio levels for the songs that you have on your playlist? I typically don't, but but then again, I'm trained in, you know, knowing what songs are balanced and what songs are are not balanced Mm -hmm. with the other songs on my playlist. Um, Typically, the older the song is. 
the less compression there's going to be, which means it's not going to be as loud as something that was released in, say, the 1990s or the 2010s. So uh, a lot of modern music went through compression, where they basically they take the the space between the softest parts and the loudest parts, and they shorten it so that everything in the song seems louder. That's something that you do want to take a look at. I don't manipulate the, the audio files myself because that permanently changes the audio files, mm-hmm. but that is a, a, an adjustment that you can make at the time. And what you do have to be aware of is that if it comes out just a little bit too loud at the beginning, you need to bring it down quickly to give you a, for instance, Yeah. if I was trying to talk to you with that over, with, okay, so maybe that's not the best volume. Let me, I'd probably do something like that. To bring that down. Yeah. I would say practice that ahead of time. Check out the music levels ahead of time. See what they sound like coming out the speaker before you ever get together and sit at the table. It takes a little bit more prep than just writing out the adventure or the uh, or the one-shot scenario, whatever you're using. But that prep is going to be worth it. Trust me. Okay. One thing that I know is sometimes a concern for people is micromanaging a playlist. Do you have any tips yeah. for that? Well, what are you talking about when you say micromanaging well, the idea a playlist? That you, you are kind of trying to like DJ and GM at the same time and trying to, you know, manipulate like people who are fiddling with a playlist constantly at the table, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, planning an adventure is kind of like putting together a playlist for a wedding reception. I never write a, a playlist ahead of time ever for a wedding reception. I will get requests from my clients mm-hmm. of what songs they want to dance to, any songs that they prefer to hear, any songs and artists that are their preferred to hear, and then any songs that they consider to be must plays. And then I'll write those down on a list and I'll have those available and I'll just say to myself, okay, at some point during the night, I need to play these, but I will not plan the list ahead of time Okay. because you never know what's going to happen with that crowd. Yeah. They may peter out early. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> they may... They may decide, you know, we're not in the mood to dance to classic rock tonight. Maybe we're in the mood to dance to more uh, 90s R&B. There's always the possibility that what you have in mind that you think is going to work because it's worked several times before probably isn't going to work that night. Same way with writing an adventure. You know, I've heard story after story of people who said, I had this great thing planned out and then my players did this and this and this. And I've been one of those players before. (laughs) Well, and let's be clear, those moments are one of the things that makes gaming so cool. It's just, it's cool and stressful at the same time sometimes. Right. Well, that's exactly why I say don't plan out an entire playlist. Unless the game that you're playing really calls for a full playlist, like a game like Rip and Drive, don't do that. Like I said, select certain pieces of music for certain moments that you know that you're going to touch in. You know, the very first full scenario that I wrote had five major points, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I've I've had experiences with James who have tried to use music, and it's like, oh, oh hold on, hold on, I've got I've got the right song. Just give me a second, okay. Um, no, not that one. Not that one. yeah, okay. Uh, this one. Here we go. And or oh, even wait, worse. no, no, no. Not 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 even that one. Let me this one. This one's a little better, right? <laughs> like even worse, unskippable ads on YouTube. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. 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 So I've I've had to deal with that one. Laundry before. detergent. You know your clothes are dirty. Don't. My my recommendation: if you're gonna use music at the table, don't stream it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unless you unless you have like a premium subscription to Spotify and you don't have to listen to ads, don't stream music at the table. If it's if it's that important to you, download it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Download it, put it on your hard drive, put it on your phone, put it on whatever music player that you're playing it off of. Because th- this is production level. This is not just, hey, I, I think this will be really cool. When you when you do this right, it literally is production level type stuff. You don't have to have a degree in audio engineering or in broadcasting in order to be able to do this type of thing. I don't. I certainly don't. But prepare and practice. Literally, that's really all you need to do. There are some tools that you can use that help you do that. If you're a uh, if you're a PC user, Virtual DJ is a great free uh, software that you can download that allows you to be able to mix between different things, create playlists. There are several different DJ style apps that you can use on Android and on the Apple products. So take a look around, see what's see what works for you. There are many of them that are available for free or as a free trial period. They're pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. Speaking of music, I did want to talk a little bit about selecting the right kind of music for the background. We kind of touched on this earlier, but lyrics are not necessarily a good choice for background music. Anything with lyrics can be True. distracting for many people. In particular, lyrics in a language the table understands. <laughs> perhaps an important distinction, right? If if it's, you know, right. something sung in Spanish and, you know, it, it's cabana music or something, nobody at the table speaks Spanish. Okay, cool. You're setting a mood. Okay, I'd say so even Rammstein Spanish is too close to some people. My game. Gotcha. Well, no, but that's because taste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Shots fired. <laughs> Grant. No, that was about the reaction I was expecting. Don't worry. My wife and I spar this way all the time, too. We we agree on everything except music. But yeah, uh, lyrics are very distracting for most people. Certainly for me. It's like somebody trying to talk at you constantly. And I would also say, in general, because the music should not be the focus, don't try and show off with the music that you pick, right? It's not, hey, you guys need to listen to this. The whole point is that you're using it to set a mood and it's going to fade into the background and the story is going to be the focus. The music is not the focus of the scene. So don't use this as like, guys, you got to listen to this cool new album I found. Yeah. I'll get to that part in a second (laughs) (laughs) because I have a story. Soundtracks are, I think, a pretty good choice. Yeah. It's literally music designed to fade into the background of a dramatic story. It's already kind of done for you. Specifically scores. Some people use the term soundtrack uh, incorrectly. You want to look primarily if you want to look for scores. Good point. Yes, the the background score as opposed to the soundtrack with all the popular songs that people are paying attention to that are foregrounded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yes, one thing to note that I have found is that very well-known scores can also be distracting. Like when you fired up that starting fanfare for Star Wars, all sorts of memories just popped into my head. Exactly. And maybe those aren't the right ones for the game I'm trying to run. But I don't know what else everybody's got going on that's associated with those particular things, right? On the other hand, if you're running a Star Wars game, you'd be silly yeah. not to play that. Yeah, of exactly. Course, right. If, exactly. You're, if you're playing into an IP, obviously that's great. But if I'm trying to tell a, a heartwarming story, maybe as good as the Jurassic Park soundtrack is, maybe I don't want people thinking of dinosaurs. Correct. Yeah. Right. Or anything related to John Williams, for that matter, sometimes. Yeah. He's so well known. I- I'm going to jump in here and say, this is one where you're really going to have to know your group. Because exactly. I have, for the vast majority of my life, played role-playing games almost exclusively with musicians who are massive nerds about 
movie scores. Mm-hmm. So like we don't game when we listen to any sort of recognizable movie score because we just sing along. It doesn't matter if it's lyrics or not. We just sing along and we all have the parts that we know how to play <laughs> and we do that. And so that's a major, major problem. Also know yeah. your group. If if there are audio processing issues at the table, don't. Just don't, because it's yeah. like, I I love music so much, and I love gaming so much, and I know that for me, they cannot be mixed because I do have this disability, and it's a big problem, so just know your group. Yeah, that's please. very true. Um, but yeah, the, the popular soundtrack thing, or popular score thing is a little tricky. If you can find music that's less popular, indie soundtracks, you know, indie media I've got a few other suggestions for sources, but we'll kind of touch on other sources of stuff at the end of the podcast. We'll kind of save it for that. Mood music in general. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but anything that's kind of labeled mood music is kind of labeled that for a reason and is probably something that can fit into the background pretty readily. You know, look up other people's various mood playlists. It's fine. It's it's as good a source as anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A pastor once told me, God gave you eyes plagiarize what he's talking about is borrow from other people that's meant yeah. to be funny if you're not laughing that's that's on you uh <laughs> he, he's he's saying if you see somebody else doing something and it speaks to you or it's effective borrow that you know change it up make it your own whatever you got to do but other people are a great resource for this yes absolutely yeah and plenty of folks have done this work for you already Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of one of the most commonly repeated, but also one of the most important pieces of GMing advice is the world is your inspiration. Take anything useful you can get from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, literally, literally. Yeah, yeah. I do want to talk about music as a foreground element in the game, because this can also be very effective. And to a certain degree, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit with the opening fanfare that you described, Zach, where you, know, you start off by being like, hey. Here's music up front, and then we're going to fade it into the background, and it's we're going to game over it, right? You're talking about where the music is meant to be integral to what's going on in the story, correct? Yes. Music is actually okay. used as a, a storytelling element. I have a story here, one that I have been saving since before saving the game started and finally have a chance to talk about. So <laughs> I'm excited to finally get this one out there. I have a GM who does this extremely well. And he uses music as this fascinating aesthetic story element. We were in a mage game. I've talked about this mage game before. It went like two and a half, three years. It was supposed to go six weeks. It's our group. It's how we do things. And one of the things that came up was uh, various fae characters who were part of the story. Well, this gym, being very clever, was like, well, fae characters, fae doing music. I'm going to find various pieces of music. And not just have those sung in the background, but actually use those as stand-ins for what the characters are saying. He would find a, a particular song and play that for us and be like, hey, here's what this is supposed to mean. And what's cool about that is he would use the same artist for a particular character. So you had a consistent oh, voice okay. for particular parts. Very nice. Very cool. This went on for a long time. So, you know, we have this one young fae kid who's going to, who is the future king, right? You have the past, the present, and the future king, right? The king who will be, that kind of thing. The right. king who was, right. king who is, king who shall be. This is esoteric splatbook mage stuff here, old yeah. world of darkness. But he was using a particular person for that. It was one of those um, PBS Celtic music kind of voices with this young kid who had one of those ridiculously perfect 
high-pitched voices. Mm-hmm. That's who was playing this particular kid. A much weirder Faye was played by the Pet Shop Boys. And, <laughs> and it's fine. But it worked, right? Because he'd find elements of it and be like, yeah, pay attention to this part of it. And this is what they are saying. Well, we end up as a group taking this kid in stasis in the back of a Winnebago, much larger on the inside than the outside because it's mage, to the Fey realm and end up confronting Morgan Le Fay, Morgaus. I don't remember exactly what the name was. It's that archetypal Arthurian evil Fey, who, by the way, was played by Cindy Lauper. <laughs> and what we ended up Beautiful. doing was saying, well, you know, we're in the middle of all of these Fae. They use music. And by the way, the songs were also spells in this game, right? Magical stuff would happen when he would play this. It's like, well, you know, the best way to do this is to challenge the Queen of the Fae to a singing competition in the heart of her power in front of literally all the other Fae. That seems like a thing we should do. So we hmm. put on a cabaret. <laughs> That's amazing. I actually still have a copy of the, <laughs> oh, no, really? the playlist and all of the lyrics that were copied in, uh, a cabaret of malice and meditation <laughs> with artists like CeeLo Green, the Dresden Dolls, uh, Cindy Lauper interjecting, right? Her responses to each of us. But we this was a, a group of like eight players and the GM. And so we each had a part that we, you know, we put in there. Uh, Bjork's in there. Cloud Cult. Spring Awakening. <laughs> it, it, look, it was 2011, and I cannot apologize enough. But, you know. I have a question for you, Grant, not to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, this particular guy who was, who was your DJ, does he have experience at doing, like, sound production or live production, anything like that? No, but he is an amazing cook. <laughs> that, that's his yeah, talent. Yeah, okay. I, that, I don't think that's what I was asking. No, but, but that, uh, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. That's his talent. But he, what we were doing, we, we would pick out just songs off YouTube and be like, yeah, do this. Because the visuals were also a little bit of a part of it, if they were appropriate. Oh, very, very but cool. in many cases, okay. it was like, no, this is just the song, because a lot of YouTube stuff is just like the song and the lyrics scrolling, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I guess my fine. question is, has he has he used music at the gaming table for a, a, for a while? Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think he's done this before. So this was something he 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 led up to something like the cabaret. He didn't just that well, wasn't the, his first go around. It was not his first go around, but the cabaret was actually the player's idea. Oh, very cool. Which was even better. I don't know which among us first suggested it. But we were all like, yeah, that seems great. I like trying to beat the Fae at their own game. That's always been a winning <laughs> proposition in the past. Bear in mind, by the way, one of the reasons we could do this is because this GM, while he is very good at as a GM and very good at storytelling and an excellent cook, as I said, and very good at using music in games. He is not good at handing out appropriate amounts of XP. So we were getting about <laughs> five to six times the regular amount of XP in this mage game that went on for three years. For those who have played mage, my character joined late, had less XP than other characters and had like two spheres at five and a bunch of other stuff maxed out. It was gross. We had characters with over a thousand XP. Oh my goodness. It was nonsense. So you were playing demigods, basically. <laughs> Pretty close, but like it was like, okay, we're going to have this massive display of power and they're going to have a massive display of power back. I think we ended up describing it as like the realm warping in around us and turning, like literally inverting the entire plane so it was like a soundstage. You know, oh like gosh. a theater in the round with all of the other Fae watching from the rising planes that were wow. also the seats. It was fun. And again, this was all very dramatic. There was no dice rolling whatsoever. At this particular thing it was just kind of a, an art. It was literally an argument back and forth, but with pieces of music. But this was also a chance for us to like show off pieces of music. 
So we also did a little bit of that. We still had to keep it in character. I was talking with a buddy of mine who was in this game just the other day. I mentioned it was like, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, my character. I remember picking some really awful goth rock. I don't I hate it, but it's the kind of thing that my character, especially in the world of darkness, would absolutely listen to. <laughs> and and that's fine, right? That's what you want to do. So that was a lot of fun. And I think that's the kind of thing that you really can take advantage of in a game because it that was one of the most memorable gaming experiences I have ever had. Because we didn't roll dice, but we were trying to have this dramatic discussion, as it were, right? There was a dramatic back and forth, a give and take expressed in a completely different way. It's not something I'd want to do as how I game, but as a special thing that stood out, it was fantastic. And the idea of saying, here's a different voice for a particular kind of character, like this particular character when doing certain things is played by Cindy Lauper or whatever. <laughs> That's fun. It gives you a way to express a certain thing. That was really one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. And I want to at least mention that. Um, something else that I actually did in my campaign that I'm running is I got to play into a character who has music as a character trait, like he is secretly a musician. It's the soft side of the fighter kind of thing. And I did give him a chance to like pick a song and play it for the rest of the group as kind of a dramatic reward. Like that's a moment for him to show off his character's emotions and take the spotlight. And this was also, okay, we'd played this game for two years. And I, the player, knew he was a musician, but my character had no idea. So the reveal for this is we're sitting around trying to figure out how to calm this wyvern down. And he whips out a viola and starts playing a lullaby at it, basically. And I was like, <laughs> wait, you can do that? How did I not know you could do that? But even before that, I'd had him pick out a piece of music that he got to play for the Kenku. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that, that's actually the scene I'm talking about. And his reward was the Kenku taking that music and turning it into uh, a new name for him using that kind of Kenku mimicry idea that is kind of part of Kenku in D&D. Uh, and so what I did is I got that piece of music and clipped out a couple seconds, just a little bit. And it's like, OK, this is how your character is referred to. But it's like a secret name that you have used only among them. The other players still don't know about this or the other player characters still don't know about it. It's a, just a little bit of a, a way to take a musical character, pull some of that music out of the game and into the space at the table, and then use that to shine the spotlight back on the character and the player. Again, this isn't necessarily going to work in every game exactly, but I think there's space for playing music at the table in lieu of trying to describe music, if that makes sense. What you're describing is the entire reason why people enjoy music at the table. The cabaret is something, I think I mentioned this before, it's something you got to work up to. If you're the GM and you're creating something like this, it's something you got to work up to. Yeah. But you can also feel free to get feedback from your players, uh, get input from them early on when you're planning something like this as to what you think is going to work you know, based on what they're thinking is going to be happening, what you're going to be happening. It, Like I said, preparation and practice makes a huge difference and building up to something like that takes time and it takes confidence and it takes practice. But the fact that he was able to start using music effectively at the gaming table in the first place is great because he, I'm, I'm assuming this is a gentleman that knows when to use it and when not to use it. Oh, absolutely. There you go. 
in the fiction of the game, it was very specifically replacing the GM has powerful NPCs do magical effects. But rather than saying, and they do it, it's here is something that evokes the emotional power that this is supposed to do, right? Because right. it's a fae creature. Their, their magic is music and emotion. Let's have something that implies that and gets that across at the table rather than just, I am going to tell you how your characters feel. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's the exact same thing. Using music as an extension of conveying that mood and that tone with your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, you're using somebody else's voice to do it. I'm the type of person that whenever I'm doing, whenever I'm running a game at a convention, I'm probably not going to use music unless I know I'm going to be in a side room where nothing else is going on. And, yeah. and that first, that game that you played with me, Grant, I'm certain because <laughs> that was a few years after this cabaret game that you're describing. I'm certain that it did not have the effect of, or the impact as the other one did for two reasons. One, it was my very first time using music while running a game. And two, we weren't the only people in that room. <laughs> well, that's true. But also the music was not like you were trying to set a mood. We were all literally sitting around role playing by playing a by YouTube video and listening intently. Yeah. And that's a very yeah. different experience. <laughs> very different. Yeah. You know, and reading the lyrics and trying to parse out hidden messages, you know, in the esoteric lyrics of random songs from the early 2000s. So, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the the different moments coming out of the different times. Another great way to emulate that is by using sound effects. Yes, that's true. And if I am sort of like background music, I'm. You know, I like I understand the theory behind background music. Obviously, it works very well in media, and you've convinced me, I think, that it can be done very well in role-playing games. I'm a lot more skeptical of sound effects because they do seem like really? something designed to interrupt. Hmm. Now, are when, when we say sound effects, are we talking, like, ambient background, or are we talking, like, a sound gunshots board or something. and gunshots or, or Yeah, I'm thinking gunshots, like that. but okay. I don't know. Are you, are you thinking would, of something else? I would classify sound effects in with ambient noise because ambient noise isn't, for some reason, it doesn't have the same effect on my audio stuff as okay. as music does. Um, see, so can... I, I put that in a, a different category myself, but if other people don't, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. See, here's, the, here's the thing. I think it would be really cool if you could do, like, if your characters are moving through, like, a, a factory that's running or something, just quietly put the sounds of machinery in the background mm-hmm. You know, kind of the, the hissing and clanking and, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. Or At Background if, is the key phrase there, yeah. though, right? right. Whereas it when is, I think yeah. of sound effects, I think of something that you are calling out in the foreground, right? Off a soundboard, yeah. you know, I mean, right. I'm not necessarily the, the do-do-do-do air horn kind of thing, but <laughs> yeah, that yeah. same idea. <laughs> there oh, are up, certain though. sound effects. You, I've got another plot idea. I'll, I'll talk about it on the Discord. Okay. Join our Discord so you can hear about my my cool soundboard idea. For a In a month when this episode drops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pull that uh, idea, Jenny, and don't forget I'm, it. I'm typing it. I'm typing it down right now. I'm typing okay. it down yeah. right now. Mark the date. Mark the date now. <laughs> Send yourself a phone notification. Yeah, certain types of sound effects can be background noise. It, it, it really depends on you know if you have that type of ambient noise available to you. One of the tools that I would recommend people check out is uh, a website called Tabletop Audio. Uh, they were actually nominated for an Any this Ooh. year uh, for Best Music. I don't know if they won or not, because I don't follow that. But uh, I'm kidding. So th- I'm taking a look at one of the 
objects they have on here called SoundPad. Tabletop audio gives you 10 minute original ambiences. Mm-hmm. depending on for all different styles of role-playing game. So I went to one of the objects that they have here, which is called SoundPad. It's kind of like its own soundboard and it's online. It's streaming. For instance, I'm taking a look at this soundboard and it's, it's still in beta testing. So it's not 100% done, but you can add ambient noises. You can have wind going. Uh, this one I'm looking at is, is a wild west one. You can have a stagecoach plodding through, uh, plodding along the ground Mm -hmm. and they've got a couple speeds, slow or fast. Uh, you've got footsteps with spurs. You've got a horse walking. You've got a harmonica being played in the background. You can put a train whistle in here. You can put sounds of things happening on a ranch, coyotes, saloon voices. And this is the type of thing. It's got options with some of these things that you can have them continuously loop. You can add them in as you need to, bring them out as you need to. And it's also got a button up here that says Start Broadcast, which means this is something that you can actually link to this broadcast audio to anybody that you're playing with online, whether you're on Roll20, Google Hangouts, whatever. And you can control the audio while they connect in to whatever it is that you're adjusting. So even if you're playing a voice over IP game, you can still create that same type of ambient noise I'm with tabletop audio. I'm looking at the, uh, the Age of Sail one, and in a lot of cases, I'm not sure I'd, I'd use this, but man, like just the bow wash and the creaking of the mast and stuff, you get that turned down to like 10% volume, so it's just kind of there in your subconscious. That'd be amazing. Sure. It really yeah. so, like create the feeling of being at sea. Yeah, and and that works fine. For me, that falls into the background audio category. Exactly. Whereas what I'm talking right. about sound mm-hmm. effects, I mean we're playing a Star Wars game. I'm gonna play a blaster fire sound effect. <laughs> something like that. That uh, for I've, me would get very irritating. I've seen it used to really good effect to get the player's attention when they are, you know, off the rails. Do so do, like, do 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 No no not that, but like in, in say like we're I know I, it could also be used as sort of almost a time limit thing. Like we are here to save people and, and save the day and win all the stuff. If we don't do that, people are going to die. The players then proceed to get into a rules argument for planning for half an hour. And after the GM gets tired, boom, a scream. <laughs> Someone's dead because you guys weren't paying attention. <laughs> um, I've, I've seen it used similarly to that. Getting the player's attention is good. Uh, having it be the start of the next like turn, mm-hmm. next plot point is also something and that's that you valid. can use. That's certainly useful. Um, and I could also see something like if you have a particular motif for your game, something that kind of constantly comes up and plays into a certain dramatic element, I could see that being useful. Yeah, I don't mm. know. I don't know that you necessarily want to have like the melodica dun 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 kind of sound when you know you're doing a clue or whatever. But if you're playing you know a what? really campy game, maybe you do. Uh, if you're, if you're could... running a comedy game, if you're running a comedy game, if you're running a modern game, uh, even if you're running a, a, a fantasy type game, introducing a sound effect for the first time is effective. Mm-hmm. And the only other time it's effective after that is if plenty of time has passed and you're using it as a callback, kind of like a a character is being introduced or something like that. And then you don't see him again. You don't see the character again for like another two or three hours. And then suddenly there they are again. You use the same sound effect. Right. 
it's the it's the exact same thing as using a musical cue for a particular hero in a song mm. or you know i just watched the dark knight for probably the, the 20th time the other day and the very first sound you hear in that is the dissonant violin string sound that signifies the start of the theme for the joker and every time the joker appears and he's menacing towards somebody, you hear that same music. So using the same type of effect. Now, if you're in a Wild West game, there's a gunfight going on. Don't use a gunshot sound effect for every time somebody shoots, you know, <laughs> yeah. not even for the yeah. first time, because that's the chosen weapon in the West. But if something's happening and all of a sudden you hear this giant spaceship come over, well, now you're in a cowboys and aliens situation. Yeah. You've just changed things. You can introduce sound effects. But like I said, you, you want to use them sparingly. You want to use it once, maybe another time if it's a callback from like later on, or if you want to do something campy, if you want to play it up for laughs. I'd also say that it could be used to great effect in a Silent Hill game, because if you're a masochist and want to watch the Silent Hills <laughs> movies, go right on ahead. I did it once and I've had enough, but they have the air raid siren to signify you're going from one side of Silent Hill to the other. Having some sort of signal like that to signal a, a distinct change in the setting that your characters have to pay attention to, I think it could be used to great effect there. Sure. I would not necessarily mind, like if you're playing a Star Trek game, you have the transporter sound mm. because you're transitioning from scene to scene and it's sort of a little mental, okay, we're no longer on the ship. Now we're on some weird planet. You know what yeah. the other sound that would be good for a transition in a Star Trek game would be is that um, door hiss. From oh, TNG. Yeah. Yeah. That would certainly work as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just think of like something that really distinctly marks we have moved the scene. Right. Yeah. You know, the door hiss maybe could, you know, especially if you're yeah. if like the action is moving from one place to another. If it's individual characters coming in and out, that might get annoying. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Right. Like I said, if it's one of those things where you've got one character that's going to be there and that character is only going to be there for this moment. If there's something specific that works for it, great. Use it. If not. Don't bother. Yeah. Uh, again, too much is too much. And so this is one of those things where you do want to kind of use it sparingly. Mm -hmm. um, sound effects also work well for sound effects and background music, by the way, also work well for uh, if you want to set a mood. If, if you're an avid board gamer mm -hmm. and uh, you want to do something like that, there are all sorts of things that you can use. Jenny, mm -hmm. you and Tyler and I and a few other people in 2017, we played Captain Sonar. We did do that. We did do that. Yes. Played that at the post Fear the Con brunch at Pieces, which is a St. Louis board game cafe. And it was an absolute blast. If you can ever get eight people together in the same room. Yeah. If you can do that, it's a fantastic thing. Well, when I first played it, I played it at a place where there was a lot less ambient noise. Mm -hmm. And so I opened up my laptop and I found a nine hour loop of submarine sonar pings. Oh, wow. <laughs> And we played Captain Sonar in real time with the sonar pings going on in the background. And I'm going to tell you, just that one little bit of background music changed the way the game felt for everybody. It, huh. it really made everybody feel like, oh, we're, 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 we're doing this. It really would, yeah. And that's it's just one thing. It's simple. You don't have to have the soundtrack from Crimson Tide going <laughs> when, you, when you play that game. But one thing, two things, small things, know when to use them, know when to not. You know, to borrow a phrase from Kenny Rogers. Last thing I want to say about sound effects is, especially if you have kind of a soundboard kind of thing going on, this can be extremely distracting. 
if you're trying to yeah. like turn stuff on and off a lot or like play cer- certain sound effects a lot. And of course, soundboards and soundboard apps and that sort of thing are notoriously finicky. It's the kind of thing that can really bog down a game unnecessarily. So make sure if you're going to use this that it works, it works consistently, and you can leave it alone if it doesn't work and that you're not fiddling with it all the time. Right. Make sure you are engaging with your players as the GM and not the cool toy you brought to the table. Paul and Storm created this great set of audio cues called Soundbard. And um, it's uh, literally over 150 sound cues that you can use in your game. There's so many of them, though, that if you don't, like I said, if you don't practice ahead of time or if you don't plan ahead of time, which ones you will use and which ones you won't use then this just simply becomes uh, a futile attempt in, in trying to be entertaining. Yeah, I feel like the, the theme that keeps getting hit over and over and over again is don't just try and do this off the cuff. This requires exactly. planning, this requires thought, this requires, you know, practice. Preparation even. and practice, exactly. Yeah. That's that's the biggest thing. That if, if you take away nothing from this, preparation and practice, treat it as just as important as the plot points in the game that you're trying to run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to end uh, talking about some sources for audio. We've talked about Ribbon Drive, which is a great game. Melodice.org, which is music for board games. Tabletopaudio.com, which we've talked about as well for RPG ambient noise. There are also lots of artists out there who produce background music through Patreon. You you sign up and get access to their library of stuff. Uh, That works just fine. Is it specific for role-playing or just all sorts of stuff? Oh, yeah. No, uh, specifically Mm -hmm. for role-playing. There are various ambient noise generators. Um, yeah, my favorite one is MyNoise.net. They have a whole bunch of like white noise kind of things. They have one that's a purring cat that's really great. Uh, but they also have a section specifically for RPGs. And the thing that I really like about it is that it has different sliders for different aspects of the sound. So the one that I know my boyfriend uses a lot is one of like the sounds of a dungeon or a cave or something like that. And so it has like a footsteps slider. And when you move the slider up, it you hear the footsteps louder. It has like a dripping sound. <laughs> there's a squelching sound. And there's like a, a massive bass rumble as well. And they order these from lowest frequency to highest frequency noise. That's handy. Yeah. And, they, and cool. you can also set a timer for it, which is also handy as well. Very important. Uh, they do well with crowd noise as well. And yeah, crowd noises yeah. are often very useful for uh, various different scenes. A mm-hmm. couple other sources. Uh, Roll20 has its own built-in jukebox, which you may or may not be able to take advantage of. It's all preset stuff, except that you can also link to individual SoundCloud audio files as well. And that is very handy because SoundCloud is a good place to upload individual tracks of your own if you need it. And it's a great place to find inexpensive or free indie music that works great for backgrounds. Uh, Everything from somebody's piano recording to somebody's EDM music to stuff designed for, you know, kind of a fantasy sound, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, Bandcamp is another great source for this as well. Again, the lyrics thing, make sure that you're picking stuff that either doesn't have lyrics or doesn't have lyrics that'll be distracting as appropriate, but it's very easy to find that. And of course, we've talked about YouTube and Spotify. Um, YouTube tends to have pre-roll ads unless you're paying for YouTube Red. Spotify has pre-roll ads and ads in between songs unless you're paying for the Spotify Premium. There are other similar services, but you get the drift. 
Uh, right. One that I do want to call out in particular is Overclocked Remix. This is a, a favorite of mine. OCRemix.org is a site with thousands, literally thousands of rearrangements of video game music. And I mean complete rearrangements to the point where the, the genre of a song may change entirely. The mood of a song may change entirely. And there's a lot of very skillful rearrangements of these songs. So it's a great source for things that play off particular moods. Uh, and have like a familiar melody and through line, but maybe aren't necessarily the song as you and the rest of the table know it. And of course, if you get something from a more obscure game, you may have no problems with it being distracting at the table. Uh, it's a great source for a lot of stuff. This stuff tends to be a little more energetic, but there's plenty of things that are calm if you need that as well. You just kind of have to kind of go through and listen and find appropriate things. It's also just really good music, and I really like it because it's free. But, you know, if you know the Chrono Trigger soundtrack has exactly the kind of music I need, go there, look, search for Chrono Trigger, look at all the remixes up there and start pulling songs down. It's a great source. That sounds amazing. Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah. It's been running for almost two decades and is fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Zach, do you have any specific ones that you want to call out here since you do this for a living? <laughs> yeah. In terms of, well, in terms of music, your friends are going to be a great resource. You know, talk to people that you know, friends and other gamers, if, especially if you're part of any gaming groups, any RPG groups or board gaming groups on Facebook or any other bits of social media. Throw the questions out there. What would you suggest for this type of thing? You will find a wealth of information in other people. The other thing is that when you're looking for sound effects, if you choose to use sound effects, there are plenty of places where you can download sound effects for free. If you're the type of person that likes to broadcast your actual plays online, however, I would make sure that the sound effects are also what they call royalty-free. Yes. If they're not royalty-free, then you're going to have to pay uh, for the sound effect that you're using. If it is royalty-free, then use it to your heart's content. You can include it in anything that you broadcast online, whether it's uh, Roll20 or, or Google Hangouts or anything that you're going to produce and then put up as a video or an audio actual play podcast. Just, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many websites there are that offer sound effects that you can download for free. There are dozens of them. So, you know, if you're going to do the sound effects thing, check out what's available, check out and see what's going to work for you. And, and like I said, use sparingly. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to add at this point? Just, you know, I, I want to thank everybody, all of you guys for, even having the guts to reach a topic like this, there's a lot that you can do that can go into making music at the table viable and fun. And I would recommend that if you have, if you're a GM and you have any inkling that this is something that you'd like to try, give it a shot, you know, do the prep work ahead of time, start small. I would try two, three, four music cues, maybe a couple sound effects. If you think they're even going to be helpful and see what works, see how your group reacts to it. Uh, Jenny made a great point. Know the people at your table. Know what kind of group they are. I had a group that, for a short period of time, I had a and d group that, if I had brought out some kind of particular sound effect uh, or a particular song, one of the other guys at the table would whip out his phone, look up something, and start playing it off of his phone, too. Hmm. And um, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just... It just doesn't work. Now, have have fun with it. This is supposed to be fun. You know, if it's too stressful, maybe bypass it. Ask for ask for ask for pointers, ask for input from other people. Well, and it's not an all or nothing proposition, right? You can use it no. just in key moments and stuff and Absolutely. 
And that's what I would start with. If you haven't done this before, I would start with key moments. I would take a look at the key moments that you really want to focus on, your tent poles, as it were, in the adventure. And then just concentrate on that and see how that goes over. And then maybe the next session you might be able to build around those things. Okay. Well, Zach, thanks for coming on. This has been really uh, an interesting discussion. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for thank you guys for having me. I, I enjoy the opportunity to to share a little bit of uh, knowledge. I'm relatively new to this industry <laughs> industry. I'm relatively new to this hobby, but any I don't get a chance to play all that often. Literally, the last role playing game that I played was at Fear the Con, which was in June. Oof, duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of our health related I don't... cancellations don't seem so bad all of a sudden, <laughs> right? And which is difficult for me as a designer, you know, as a uh, a game producer and a designer, because I've got a lot of different games that I'm working on. Uh, I actually took stock uh, as of right now. I'm working on three different RPG systems, uh, seven different RPG games, and something like twelve different individual scenarios. Wow. Wow. I got to find a way to play test these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I got a chance to play test one of them at Fear the Con uh, earlier this year. And it was uh, it was fantastic. So I, I enjoy this hobby. I enjoy the people that are in it. And uh, anytime I run a game, if I've got a, an opportunity to help create an experience at the table rather than just sitting down to play a game, that's what I want for the people that I play with. And that's what using music at the table is about. It's helping to craft that experience. I can't think of a better final note to go out on. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nor can I. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate it. And if people want to find Backburner Games, real quick, where can they find that? Patreon.com slash Backburner Games. By the way, Patreon is spelled the same way as Patreon, so don't get confused about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people keep giving me flack for this. I wonder why. Y'all can deal. Uh, no. <laughs> No, but patreon.com slash Backburner Games. Uh, I'm also at Backburner Games on Instagram. I have a page on Facebook. And uh, you can also reach me individually on Facebook at Zach W. Lorton. Okay. Well, thank you again. And well, from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.